HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about food. Talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. We'll be right back. 
Yeah, you got to get to that last. That last. The, the unplugging. The last glitch. Beep. Yeah. Yeah, the last glitch. Uh, that was Noel Sleep, who will be playing live in studio later today. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. The other half, uh, Darren Bresnitz. And this is uh, the Snacky Tunes. It's sort of gross out today. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's like... Uh, a little muggy. Yeah. A little humid. Not even a little. There's a whole lot, a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I need to shout out two meals I had this week that were just fantastic. Spraga. Shout out to Kevin Spraga and his team down in Philly. Amazing. And then Brooklyn Brewery was doing the, the Nord Festival, which was, they brought over a bunch of people uh, from the Nordic lands, and on Thursday night, they had a dinner with the brewer, uh, the chef brewer in Stockholm, and Andrew Garrison from Brooklyn, and it was insane. They had all the beers from the new Stockholm uh, brewery, and my glass was never empty until I left. And I'm then you're still standing. Oh, I'm sitting. Okay. I'm, in, I'm in full sit mode today. Uh, so uh, fall at Heritage uh, always means we get a host uh, or a bunch of new shows. A slew. Of a slew. Sh- a myriad, if you will. A harvest. A cornucopia. Harvest. Oh, yeah. I like harvest. A flock. A, a flock, flock of new shows. And uh, we always like to take time to sh- spread a little love to the new, the new part of the family. So Talia, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Oh, I feel so warm and fuzzy. Thanks and for having me, guys. Congratulations on starting a new show, Pizza Party, which... Um, very apt. Very apt. Yeah. And very close to our hearts. Our slowly hardening hearts. <laughs> After five years of yeah. pizza. Um, welcome. How are you? I'm good. I'm how, good. How was In your time with the Climate Watch? It was great. It was really exciting. It yeah. Was- HRN, HRN is there live doing yeah. uh, recording and interviews on the streets. And they should be coming out on the new HRN SoundCloud. news. SoundCloud. Yeah. So make sure to, to check out. The homepage. Check out the homepage. You do. They're saying 312,000 mm-hmm. right now, and that's unofficial count, which is insane. I was there earlier, too, and it's just like... Can we just say half... We can round up to half a million. That's a big... That's a... Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a big... That's a big... 200,000 is a big jump. What are you, a non-believer? And I, well... In climate I could action? I could say, like, 375. Can, I'll, I'll give it 375. Fair. I'll give you that. Uh, so, Talia, um, before we get to your show... How did you get? Yeah, so we have something in common. Uh, Canadians, we're half, but oh, together we go no. a whole, and you're a whole Canadian. I'm a whole Canadian. But Jeremiah, where are you, where are you from? Uh, I grew up here in uh, in New York. Okay, yeah. but um, which are, is close. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a few hours to yeah. Canada. It's nothing. It's, <laughs> it's not um, bad. So what kind of Canadian are you guys? Montreal. Well, yeah. Yeah, I Montreal. would be French Canadian. Nice. Yeah. Okay, yeah. same as you. I mean, this is this is a straight up hockey tattoo of my dad. Wow. Yeah. So um, full Canadian. It's a really good visual for the radio show. Yeah. Um, so you grew up in Montreal. What was that like? Did you eat like Schwartz's and St. Vitor? Or do you Fairmont or St. Vitor? St. Vitor, but neither. Uh, Sorry. But neither? But neither. I was a real bagel family. We lived like around the corner from Real Bagel. So that was... Real bagel? The Ralph family... You guys don't know real bagel? Okay, no. Clearly, you're half. Your half is showing. <laughs> oh, um, it's and it's like, not the seeded half either. Shots, <laughs> shots fired. It's like the black poppy seed oh. twisted out the oven. Yeah. Yeah, we were we were we were a sesame family. Okay, I'm uh, a sesame person. Actually, pumpernickel now. But yeah, they okay. would. The goal is to eat them as hot as possible. Yeah. So it's just like a proximity thing. Like that right. was the closest one. Oh, I see. Hot dozen. Hot dozen. A hot dozen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> real bagel. I guess we'll have to add it to the list when we go up. Yeah, but I've never heard. Schwartz's, all that stuff? Schwartz's, yes. My family was addicted to Schwartz's, like, overdose when I go home. I've largely stopped eating meat, but, like, that's one of my few exceptions. You know, so you can't not. 
I walked by um, a Benz in New York, like in thing that was like a Hebrew, uh, a Jewish deli uh, called Benz, and I like. There's no connection to the Benz that was in Montreal, right? No, Benz and I don't even know if they make. I have to double check. I know that they don't make all the products. Like a lot of it's Hebrew national stuff, yeah. but it's a it's a glot kosher uh, Jewish deli. Got it. It's been around forever in the like the fashion district, right? Yeah. Got it. Interesting. So how did you uh, end up? Here well, tell us about Montreal. Montreal. Tell us about some cuisine you ate growing up. I mean, was your family Quebecois? No, my family is like the English minority in Montreal. Mm. Super Jewish, just straight up Eastern oh, European. Oh, one of the tribes. Yes, in the tribes. So lots of matzo ball soup, Fantastic. lots of chicken. Like we ate out at a few places that were not at all trendy places. I mean, Moisha's, oh, yeah. Gibby's Steakhouse. Well, were I mean, like Moisha's Steakhouse is like... Classic. It, it, yeah. So those are the two big ones. Also, Dau. I don't know if you guys have ever been there out in Saint Laurent. Like really good Lebanese food, just like kind of empty, Wait, is big it, table. It's not the one next to Schwartz's, right? No, it's like at, you got to drive. It's like off the fifteen. Oh, okay. Um, that for whatever reason yeah. was like a big thing in my family. But no, my my mom and my grandmas cooked a lot, and it was like a. Oh, Jewish yeah. mother and grandmother Jewish, that cooked a lot yeah. in Montreal? So typical. So I mean, typical. I don't know how far you want to talk about this. But. Drop drop a little. What do grandma and mom used to eat, make? Um, well, I have yet to find. I'm actually struggling because I love Maya Land. Like, I love yeah. Noah and Ray and everything they do. But Who their matzo ball soup doesn't do it for me. And Ooh. neither does Vaselka's. And neither, like, I can't find a matzo ball soup that rivals... I just went is to it the matzo ball or is it the broth? Both. Like mm. the matzo balls are too oh, dense. They're not fluffy enough. And they're yeah. not salty enough. I had to ask for salt at Myland and they were so mad you're at me. You're in trouble. And like, I was so embarrassed. But usually, like, it's the, usually it's one Usually it's like one or the other. Say. Like the broth is fine. But like, but if you're if you're at zero for two, you're just. Both. And like something uh, with the vegetables are weird. I don't know. Jack's Wife's Frida does an okay one. They have a lot of dill. But it's a really it's it's really dense. Okay. I'll put that on my list. Right now I'm very focused on pizza. Like I've sort of ignored yeah. my. You so know, let's let's. Cuisine. How did you before you got? How did you get into the besides eating every day? Get into food in the food world. Um, I actually, when I think about it, I credit it a lot to my family. Like I always took for granted that people just sat down to like multi-course, really intense meals yeah. most nights of the week. Same. I thought that was the normal thing. So did and we. And then I went away to college, and I like met my Italian friends. Are the only people i met whose families go harder do they, than my family I goes mean, i feel like jews and they go hard Italians. in the red <laughs> what? they go hard in the red i got it yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah okay. um i just yeah i my i grew up around cooks um i actually i went to italy as a 16 year old as like a super lucky spoiled 16 year old my nana took me to italy for um, my 16th birthday and learned how to make like homemade pasta and like, rabbit ragu and all this. I think that's what sort of tipped me to being like, wow, this yeah. is that's pretty amazing magic. Thanks, Nana. Yeah, yeah. Nana. Nana. Go shout Nana. out if she's listening. She probably will listen. Yo, later. Nana. Shout she's out. Pretty up on her food radio. Uh, we have this. We have a Jewish grandmother so alive <laughs> that's um, on my dad's side, and she's this Hungarian master chef, and it was like cholent and fried chicken and veal. And then when she made fried chicken and fried veal, she would just make fried breading. Like all the leftover breading would just like a fried disc of breading. That was obviously your favorite thing. Yeah, but so we that. had the same thing. It was always it was always like we sit down at the dinner table, we have a salad, we have a main, we have something at the end, and we're like, oh, this is how everyone eats. And then you go out in the world, and it's not. It's a it's dark not, place. It's a dark. <laughs> it's a dark sort of like hillock brown sort of place <laughs> of like grab and go. Yeah. Um, did you desire though growing up that because we we rarely. Unless we were going to like a Flyers game, we would ever get like McDonald's or something like that. 
did you have the same dreams of going like I wish I had um, I was lucky. I do have like a lingering obsession with American chain food because of this. Like we would, again, like you might be falling asleep because my Jewish experience is so typical, like grandparents in Florida. So we would drive down me and my two brothers in the back seat. My dad used to wedge a television in between the front seat with a video cassette underneath. So that we were is, like, no, that is not typical. <laughs> what you would try the Montreal, Montreal to Florida, Florida. three That's, days. That is that we would, we would drive, uh, you can't even top Montreal. it. Fill it up in Montreal. No. She's laughing at you. No. <laughs> Your distance is nothing. No, no, because, because I remember when we would get up, we're like, like, oh my pilgrimage. God, we got to get up at five in the morning and then we're going to be there like for dinner. That's, <laughs> that we are nothing. Yeah. yeah. No, you don't know. I mean, <laughs> your diaspora <laughs> yeah, is you, quite, quite intense. We, I mean, the treks that the Ralph family would take would so, be epic. So we would stop, like yeah. those would be the big treats. Like I remember um, Cracker Barrel being really exciting. Dude. Uh, Olive Garden, I still get excited about that. I get very judged by lots of Americans They're because they think eat it's now. disgusting. Yeah, eat now. Before. What's that new thing they have? Like a thousand dollars, all you can eat pizza. I mean pasta. It's something. Oh gross. yeah, the passes that sold out, like yeah. the unlimited. All you so can. gross. I Cracker would be Barrel. In one of those. Cracker Barrel still gets a pass by some food people. Does it? They're like. I think it's because it's more considered a Southern thing. It's you know, not. I, I know, but I it ate just there. Isn't. I ate there recently and you bought a on a road chair? trip. It, it was disgusting. <laughs> no, it was really sad. It like childhood dreams dashed oh, all over the floor because I home. always thought Cracker Barrel was like it. And I went and got the chicken and dumplings and they were not good. That's the way the cracker crumbles. Yeah. So crumbled. Uh, how did you move into family Jewish trips down to Florida and to the illustrious world of radio programming wait no hold on wait, <laughs> wait a second. what happened in between my yeah. Florida yeah. trips you, and radio you skipped, you skipped a lot so you when did you leave where'd you go to montreal after um, you turned 18 i did my undergrad in boston and emerson oh i was at bu oh cool what years were you there uh 2007 to 2011 yeah i'm way fucking older than you <laughs> sorry okay. it's cool yeah. did you get it on a yes all the time i lived in central square for okay. two years so it's all the central spots literally the only thing I miss about Boston. <laughs> I don't miss. I have been getting a lot of hate on Boston today, and you know what? I just I defend it. I actually miss it. I might go uh, down there next weekend. Well, th- thanks, Tolly, for swinging by. I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I um, I have to just chime in to say I hate Boston too. Yeah. You're all see because you're all hardened New Yorkers. Like no, I haven't lived no, here long enough no. to, to I, like harden against a good city that's before just... I even left it. Like, I graduated and I was gone within 12 hours. Oh, I left it too. Immediately, please. Like, drove away, did do not you, look back. You always want to leave. Do you have that one friend who's still there who, like, got a job in Boston? You're like, hey, guys, come visit. And it was like, ah. I have two of my yeah. best friends still there. They both do really cool stuff. So you went to Emerson. You, went, you went ate Anna's. What did you, you study? Journalism. Very nice. And then I moved to California for a year to L.A. Because I thought that would be fun. And it so was you went fun. from one shitty pizza town to another shitty pizza town. Yes. The pizza in L.A. is shitty. But I did live... I lived in East L.A. So I was near Two Boots. And I was near a great place called Masa, which did like a Chicago deep dish-esque. I don't know if you guys oh, know you mean it. souffle? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Chicago pizza. <laughs> I need to have a Chicago pizza episode because that's another thing people have been throwing very strong opinions Could, at me about. You know, yeah, I mean, it's like if you want a pie... And then throw tomato sauce and cheese on it. We could do that, but don't call it pizza. Hey, yeah, it's it's not pizza. It's not it's, pizza. It's it's good it's when good. it's done right, but it's not pizza. Oh, when I'm in the mood for whatever you want, what that is, yeah. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. A quiche. A quiche. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, let me get a Chicago quiche. Yeah. Um, wait, you know, I totally skipped over it. What was Montreal pizza like? Because we had 
Where was it? Was it in Vancouver? Like, 99-cent pizza was really big, like, 10 years ago before it even made it out was here. Was it good? Um, I don't know. We were 20, so yes. <laughs> no, it, was, it tastes like cardboard. Yeah. Yeah, it tastes absolutely like but cardboard. But Montreal pizza? Uh, Montreal pizza, we have a few really good spots. My dad has actually been, like, nonstop being like, you have to come to Pendeli's. Pendeli's was where we would always order from on Queen Mary Road. Um, sorry, Code St. Luke Road. Oh, my God, my Montreal geography. But they would do these giant dough balls in the middle of the pizza, and they Whoa. would, like, kind of put it on before it was finished. So you'd get this, like, the dough balls were really, like, hot property in my family, and I had two brothers, and we looked for any excuse to fight about anything. So yeah. we would fight over these. It was just like they'd roll a little bit of dough and, like, put it in the middle. I love it. So my dad would get extra ones, so that fight ended. I mean, but- is that different than a garlic knot? Yes, it's just the dough. Did it's they was were they using it instead of like the little plastic thing that like I think so. That's, oh I think so. That's, that's ingenious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because and it really, would touch the top of the box. I like it. Hey, I like it. <laughs> You're reading yeah. between the lines. Yeah, here. no, it's like and, and it's environmentally friendly. Yeah. I never questioned what it was for. Oh my god. For. My, uh, yeah. I have to sit down even more. Yeah, imagine <laughs> if you could down. eat those little white tables. That's that how she grew up. Yeah. You're talking about her childhood. I, yeah. I heard a rumor that the a woman created those little pizza table things, and she patented it and gets a penny per. No way. I, look, <laughs> hey, Darren. Listen, I don't. I Darren, don't use the internet. Get so, on Snopes.com yeah. and check that out. Anyway, uh, so she's really she's doing all right. Yeah. Um, yeah, better uh, than a lot what, of us. So wait, so you were in California, and then the siren called pizza. The siren. Well, there was a, a, a year in Montreal, which was not by choice because immigration laws are weird. That's oh, another yeah. thing you probably don't want to talk about. No. Um, but yeah, so then Today I on Snacky Tune, Montreal Canadian uh, versus American <laughs> immigration law relationships. Yeah, you know, I would love a show on that. But um, yeah, so moved back to Montreal, did a lot of like traveling and bouncing around and then decided that maybe I wanted to go to grad school. So I'm actually here studying food systems at NYU. That's my day job. And my Thursday afternoon job is pizza party. All right. Um, well, we're going to take a break and we're going to end the pizza party and then all the writing that you do for Munchies and HRN as well. And maybe some other, we'll talk about some other like Montreal insights that maybe we don't know about. <laughs>
So, quick question. If you were to have a sham uh, green card marriage, what type of pizza would you serve? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, definitely Roberta's. Have yeah. them, like, pull up the truck, do the oven. Um, I have been super, super into the tasty flavor, which is a kind of controversial choice because there's no cheese on it. But I like, like, capers, olives, like, anchovies, like, all of those really pickled, salty things people don't like because, fuck it, it's my... Sham. It's your green yeah, card wedding. So let's yeah. talk about the program you're in for grad school. Sure. Tell us about it. Um, food studies is the oldest such program in the country. It's been around for a whole 20 years. Um, and it's really interesting because people tend to think when you say you study food that you're either in culinary school or mm-hmm. nutrition. Mm-hmm. And it's like everything except for those two things. Sure. Like we do have a cooking class. We do have a required nutrition class. But oh. it's very much like the issues and social implications of every aspect of food. It's super interdisciplinary. So we have a professor from literally almost every big academic discipline. I mean, it's a pretty small program, but we have an economist, we have a sociologist, we have a political scientist, and they're all looking at food from these different perspectives. So today's March was like very apt for for what you're into. Super apt, yeah. super apt. And yeah, someone in our program, like I'm thinking about it a lot, we just had all the new students come in and had a panel of people that were sort of like explaining what it's like to be in the program because people are come into it from such different angles. We have a lot of chefs, we have lawyers, we have people that worked in like food science. Um, and she was saying that you kind of have to be like an ad, you have to explain to people what it is and you have to be an advocate for it because it's still this new thing that academically and socially people don't think is important. And it's so important. You sort of have to like, force people and it was great that they carved out a section in the march for food justice and have recognized the fact that like that's a huge part of climate change yeah i think that when some people walked by the climate change when they saw like voting like migrant workers and fast food like fair wages that people probably went huh but huh? like don't maybe it's like not as connected but it's like very very much part of the overall issue with climate and uh, you know if those get solved you know it can fix a number of things or at least bring a fair monetary system to areas that are not discussed Mm -hmm. yeah and even food studies as a you know academic space and just you know the idea of sustainability and like what good food is that is new and people are still sort of like wrapping their minds around things like the minimum wage as being a part of that but yeah i mean because yeah they get paid better they can eat better put their money towards things stop the cycle um where do from your program where do people generally end up getting jobs um, that's a great question. A lot of people, I'm on the system side, so it splits into like systems and culture. A lot of the systems people end up doing policy work or nonprofit. I mean, we have such an amazing network of organizations here in New York. Like I have lived in a few cities, as you guys can gather, and like never have I been somewhere that there's so much action going on around food. I mean, Montreal has like some great meals on wheels and food banks. Obviously, we have farmers markets, but it's like insane here. So actually one of the people in our program is the new director of just food jasmine nielsen which is pretty cool um we have some people that go on to like law school um a lot of people end up in media (laughs) writing about food talking about food um restaurants sort of like management a lot of entrepreneurs actually like a lot of people starting businesses i don't know if you guys have had donna chai there's a girl in our program that like started making local brooklyn chai which like you hear about you know fair trade tea and local coffee spots and like there's this whole great coffee culture but like there's no 
local chai and she is now like the local Brooklyn chai, chai girl queen. and she's chai all queen. over the place. That was her senior thesis and she's selling at like Smorgasburg and all of these cafes wow. and it's legit. So, so what, what aspect drew you to the program? Um, I am a journalist and so my problem, my greatest weakness and greatest strength is that I think almost everything is interesting and I really loved that you could get a little taste. But a bunch. Thanks, guys. A little borscht belt <laughs> humor coming at you. <laughs> yeah, just like how um, wa- you know broad the program was. Uh, speaking of being a journalist, let's talk about your radio show. Sure. What do you want to know? Tell us about how you fell in love with pizza and why you felt a merit. I mean, okay, we all know it merits at least half an hour a week. Yes. Thank so, you. But why did you feel that you were the <laughs> the voice of our generation to bring it to us? And and when, when do you remember your first slice of pizza? My first ever slice of pizza or my first New York slice of pizza? Different question. First ever slice of pizza. Um, It was probably at a birthday party at like a bowling alley in Montreal and it came on a paper plate. It might have even been square, actually, like one of those big party square slices. Obviously, no toppings, um, but I can't pinpoint an exact slice, which is sad. I should lie. No, it's fine. (laughs) Um, When did you when was the first pizza pizza you had where you're like, I love you? I love you, pizza. Um, not to be a suck up, but it probably was Roberta's. Oh, total suck up. Womp. I'm kind of a suck up oh by nature. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I had never, I just always thought of pizza as like food you buy to feed a lot of people very quickly and easily and cheaply. I had that's, never. That's one of the things you can love about it. Right. But it's not, you know, it's not that special. Oh my God. I am obsessed with the moment. And I think. Roberta's, I mean, I moved here, I came here like two weeks after I moved, and I was like, this, these people are doing something. This is something special? Yes. This is something a little bit different. When was that? Uh, That was last fall. Mm. I mean, there's no donuts. There's no donuts on them. Yeah. But I can't fault them for that. No. It's like, not everybody can be doing that kind of thing. No, but maybe maybe through your initiatives and your your hard work, petitions. Yes. I'm sure you'll learn I definitely want a political aspect to Pizza Party, yeah. and so we will start I expect to petitions. see the, the donut protests of 2015 also coming to Roberta's front doorstep. It is a very important issue that is facing our I expect you guys to sign it. I yeah, expect you to be the first signatures. Yeah. So then take us through the journey of that first bite of pizza where you went, oh shit, this is not just pizza, but pizza with a capital P to starting your radio show? Um, You know, I really love talking about things that people overlook, but that I think are actually really important and significant. And I think that pizza is one of those things that's actually coming from like a theory that's been building in my classes where like it's all very fascinating, but I haven't found like a firm thing to like lay all this academic and like sort of heady theory on like feminism and class and like city spaces and pizza is my like i think pizza is strong enough to like stand the burden of being this really interesting give me the the pizza feminism argument okay well you guys right i i don't want to like spoil too much because i'm gonna have no show tease the episode i'm having an episode about pizza feminism but there was a great article in the hairpin last week about snack wave did you guys see this no nope Um, it's basically an argument that online, like in pop internet culture, which is now a thing that we just deal with, there's a very strong trend of women specifically and teenage girls being like really down with snack food, like really about like, you know, like 
love dies pizza is forever like i'm sad but at least i have oreos like this very strong undercurrent and it's kind of a a joke obviously and it's a certain kind of like internet personality but it also points to this sort of like rejection of what women are supposed to like to eat and how we're supposed to eat and pizza is like sort of at the epicenter of that is like i'm gonna have a whole pizza to myself fuck you guys like don't tell me how to eat don't tell me what to do um and i think that that's a really fascinating part of it i think there's a lot in terms of like oh my god what are you looking i'm at? looking it up <laughs> holy crap okay just for those who you should go look up the image is a uh a mac laptop half closed because it is stuffed full of pizza <laughs> yes. on top of magazine there's many great images of you oh my god <laughs> um okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that is definitely. Good. So, I, mean, I guess it's. I, I guess it's. It's a little. I get. I get that. What that is, but it's just. I think being around women and working in food and things like that. Most women I know eat as much as they want, whatever they want. That's an interesting theory. I mean, I can neither confirm or deny. I know that I, I try and eat whatever I want, but I still do have. And I'm like just coming off reading some stuff for my gender and food classes. It's very much in my mind. Like there's still this kind of battle that women have in their heads about you know should i eat this am i taking care of myself and how am i you know being perceived i think men do it too i think with women it's just more talked about and I'm, we're a little bit more overt about the fact that we do it i struggle every time i i they say salad or french fries <laughs> to this day yes it's a real moral choice for me but every not, time they go stop salad or french fries i feel like i'm i'm, I'm saying the answer is about french fries I like, unless i had french fries earlier in the day the answer is always french fries it's very Something masculine that, gendered thing of you to say Wow. Yeah, how's that a accident? <laughs> yeah, we, really? We, we, don't, we don't have enough time to really get into it, but yeah, Greg. Yeah, sorry, Greg. I worked at Food Fifty Two this summer, and we would—I mean, people at Food Fifty Two know how to cook plain and simple, amazing food. They would order Suprema for our company meeting sometimes because it's just that good. Okay. Any slice you right. have there, okay. they have this uh, sweet and savory tomato jam recipe that's bonkers. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, good. thank you so much. You can hang around. You yeah. got those two slices are yours, by the way. Oh, okay. I'm going to um, go for them. So we got Nulsi coming up live.
So good. So good. That eight-minute epic Nancy Wang track is also also awesome. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah, welcome to, to Snacky Tunes. Thank you. Um, tell us, uh, well, we know you're from New York, but tell us where No Sleep began. Where, where No Sleep began? Yeah. Um, I guess it was uh, when I was, I, was in, I did my undergrad at Columbia, and uh, freshman year uh, there is when I uh, started writing music. Um, I've been interested in electronic music for a long time, uh, but that was when I... That was when I started, and it was actually a direct result of having access uh, for the first time in my life to high-speed internet and being able to download pirated software um, to make that music. Um, and actually, the name Null Sleep was uh, not originally like an artist name that I came up with. It was actually like the name that I used on IRC and when trading files uh, with other people online. Um, and then I just sort of, it became the name that I used as my online presence. And when I started releasing music, it just sort of carried over to that. Did you know how to write music before you had the software? Uh, no, I, the only, the only musical training I had had up to that point was I, I took like a few weeks of cello lessons when I was like in elementary school. Oh, the classic, like, let's try this out. You're like, fuck this. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was actually, um, I don't know if any of you remember this movie called Electric Dreams, but... It was a movie from the 80s uh, about, like, a guy who... Uh, a guy who buys, like, a computer, and the computer has, like, a built-in AI. And then the <laughs> computer and the guy... Uh, the computer and the guy both fall in love with the same woman who lives next door. Um, and it's basically, lo- uh, like, a love triangle between the guy, the girl, and his computer. What year is this? Uh, some early 80s, okay. I think. Um and the soundtrack uh, was amazing. It was like a bunch of electronic music, Giorgio Moroder, Human League. Wow. Um, it's like one of those movies where like it tapped into this weird subculture. Yeah, the time. it was. And the, and the actual actual movie, the look of the whole movie is amazing because it looks like an Apple commercial from that time. There's like lots of shots that look very much like 80s, like Apple branding. Amazing. Um but that was uh, that actually was the reason why I took cello lessons because there's a scene in the movie where like there's this amazing like duet between the computer that's writing this like crazy bleepy stuff and then the woman who's playing a cello and it was I forget what piece it was but it was it just sounded amazing and I ended up taking cello lessons because of it uh, when really I I miss I misdirected <laughs> myself <laughs> right I was, oh, yeah. I was supposed to make music that sounded like the computer and that's what i'm doing now oh that's a uh, that's pretty good that's like uh that's like how uh the way like hackers affect a lot of people like who had never heard of like right. techno and they got hackers and they like well i'm gonna dive into each track on the soundtrack yeah very much so i think yours is a, a bit of a deeper deeper reference. dive yeah. deeper deeper dive oh, who was in the movie uh I actually don't. No one. No one. None. No like big names. Yeah. Like there were. I think the woman has been in some other things, but the lead, the male lead, I don't even remember from anything else. Uh, has that the music for the movie inspired your music? Yeah, I mean, in some ways, there like Giorgio Moroder is uh, has been an influence ever since. Just like the sort of Italo disco sound and uh, like heavy sort of synthesizer based music production. Um, and uh and yeah same with same with human league um but yeah it's i mean 
I've gone through a lot of different phases since I started writing music, so it, it's different things at different times. How would you uh, define your the current phase you're in? I I don't know. It's a good question. Um, <laughs> probably. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I can't even put it. I can't put a label on it. it's. That's like one of the hardest things I think you can ask a musician is like to label their own. Should, we, ju- work. should we just hear one? Let's yeah. hear one. Yeah. Okay. Let's do, Let's do it. it. Um, do you have a name for this, or is it just... No, these all the tracks that I'm, uh, I'm going to play today are uh, basically, like, brand new, um, so I don't even have titles for them. That they new, haven't new? been recorded. Yeah. Oh, that new, new, not yeah. that old, old? Yeah. 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 Uh, cool. All right, well, um, this is, uh, we'll just call it track one, live on Snacky Tunes. Thank you. 
awesome. That makes me like want to go back to Montreal and stay out till the sun comes up in the winter. Uh, type vibes, Taya. I don't know. I'm having like a spiritual experience sitting here watching people eat at Roberta's, listening to that. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty, pretty awesome. Um, we'll give you a second to sit back. To, yeah, just prepping the next one. Yeah. Okay. We got time. It's internet radio. It's a little bit loose here. It's a little loose on a Sunday. Careful there. Um, well, that was great. Thank you. We're um, besides you know um, early '80s um, AI movies. <laughs> where else do you draw your inspiration? I really, I really. Before you answer that, I really yeah. hope you say nowhere. I wish that was like your <laughs> one source. It's like that's it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, it's that's definitely a, a big influence. Um, just like, I mean. The whole the whole period of like technology during the eighties, the sort of emergence of the internet, um, the the vision of like where that would lead at that like the the sort of extrapolation of what the future would be like based on like what was happening in the eighties is an interesting like sort of inspirational material to draw from, um, but I mean also constantly influenced by like contemporary things going on and like there's a lot of inspiration because the world is just so fucked right now um so it's like we're we basically are in like the dystopian future we're in like a, a very interesting conglomeration of like a lot of the dystopian futures that were like um shown to us in sci-fi uh when we were growing up but like we also but they're also like it's it's more complicated because we've kind of opted into those dystopian futures and mm-hmm. like we've gotten benefits out of out of some of these pieces of technology that are um, that are also like I don't know I, they're they're kind of like I, I mean they're kind of insidious in a way because like we we do carry around cell phones everywhere we go and they I, I I'll speak personally they have hurt my memory for sure um, and they. I feel very dependent on them because I feel like it's almost like a prosthetic that I need to get around and do things now uh, because I just have grown so accustomed to using it. And then if you want to go further down, it's like we're there are also surveillance devices that like, you know, based on like the stuff that's come out um, recently, thanks to Snowden, like we're carrying around surveillance devices like willingly at all times. Yeah. Uh, I always wondered that if, like, because of the way that sci-fi was written, our our mom was an avid sci-fi reader. That like mm-hmm. they prepped us to go into this, where yeah. it's like like that self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, oh had, my god, how had, deep down the rabbit hole do you want to go yeah. down now? <laughs> but I but I but I'm serious. Like, had they not written about, they're like, oh my god, it all came true. And you're like, well, who do you think the scientists were reading when they were young right. and impressionable? And like, then they made it, it's like there's a there's a lot of connections for the things that were like created based on what was written about and i think that had other things been written about that's what it would have come true yeah although just and just a point off of that uh real quickly uh william gibson um who you know is sort of coined the the word cyberspace and mm-hmm. uh, one of the most prominent like cyberpunk sci-fi authors uh he was asked like what he's like because he gets a lot of credit for like sort of being very prescient about like uh, seeing the the internet and like the power of the network coming and writing about that. But uh, he was asked like what what did you, did you miss when you were writing those novels? And uh, 
he's always like very embarrassed about it. He's like, there are no cell phones in any of those books. Like, oh, I, he's like, I missed totally it. missed it. It's like, and it's the probably the thing that has had the biggest impact on. Is it. there no way like that people? I guess maybe I don't know, like that they um, converse with each other or just kind of chatted with each other. Or was it just kind? I of think it was all through like computer. It's like through their right. decks, like you know, through right. their like cyber decks or yeah. That's okay. He called a lot. Yeah, he you did. Can miss one. You know, he and and he's still he's still writing great material that's like interesting because it's it's based in the the current moment, uh, but it still feels like sci-fi because so many things in our world are like the sci-fi we read when mm. we were growing up. Now, yeah. Um, well, I think the best way to kind of run this show out is to let you kind of just get in there and not just do give it, you a time right? limit. But bef- so we're gonna close it out uh, a little atypical to form, but um. Where yeah, but I, I'd rather you just do your go thing. deep than break it up into two yeah. parts. Does that okay. work? Yeah. But yeah. um, so where can people find you? Where can people? Where are you playing? Music? Where are you playing next? Uh, I don't have anything booked right now. I'm focused at the moment. I'm like trying to write a lot of new material. Um, that new new. That new new material. <laughs> Wait, and, not uh, that old old. No, yeah, that new new. Wait. And uh, and try and basically like taking bookings as they come in. Um, but uh, you can find me on. Uh, SoundCloud, Null Sleep, uh, Null Sleep on Twitter, um, Null Sleep with ones instead of L's on Instagram. Whoever that uh, asshole Null yeah. Sleep is. Yeah. Uh, Doesn't who, even post. Who is he? Doesn't and who knows? Yeah. And uh, NullSleep.com is my website. Um, Can I ask when you're in your writing session in that type, like, what's your sustenance? What's fueling you for, like, food and drinks and things like that? Uh,. When I'm like working, uh, yeah. Stuff. Uh, basically, like whatever is the fastest thing that I can eat mm. and get back to work. Space so food, pizza. Pizza is <laughs> yes. quite full quite circle. Often the answer. Full circle, yeah. like a pizza pie, my friends. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, pizza happens often. Uh, Real I brain al- food, right there. <laughs> I also have, uh, in terms of like snacks, snack wave. Um, mm. I do have a I constantly have a bag of warheads uh candies in my in my oh. studio okay i love sour sour candies and so there are always warheads on hand i did not see that coming <laughs> i like that that is a good answer that is a I respect that. The heat. Yeah. Bring the, we need to bring the heat right <laughs> yeah you that's it. respected um well thanks for uh thanks for coming by talia yeah. welcome again to the family thank you uh i can't wait to hear more of your program especially how i can be educated on my pro snacking choices I'll have you guys in. We can talk. Oh, that'd be me. I'm definitely happy to not be cutting out of work to come on your show. Yeah. Doctor's appointment. Perfect. Or meeting. Of, Pizza of doctor. Uh, we will be back with another episode of Snacky Tunes next week. Uh, please make sure to check out the Snacky Tunes Volume 5 live comp on the Heritage Radio Network. And uh, if you haven't SoundCloud. yet become a donor to the Heritage Radio Network, please, please, please become a donor, especially for the holiday season. Um, keeps the lights on. Gift. Keeps the pizza coming. It's a great gift. Um, all right. No sleep, uh, take us out. Take us out.
Listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.